You are listening to the Body Charge podcast, and I'm your host, Sandy Sanderson. Welcome. Today's podcast is What Does Your Heart Rate Show About Your State of Health? I have with me a special guest, Dr. Greg Elliott, who is an exercise physiologist, kinesiologist, and osteopathic practitioner. He specializes now in the heart rate variability technique because of a link he found between highly disciplined athletes with balanced diets and those with people who have chronic disease ailments. Let's explore what this connection is all about. So I've been really, really looking forward to this conversation with you, Greg. Welcome. Um, and my first question is, how did you get from osteopathy to heart rate variability? What is the connection? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. Obviously, thank you very much for, for having me. Um, it actually started the other way around. Um, uh, so it started with my exercise physiology degree. Uh, during my master's degree, I was doing a thesis on non-invasive ways of measuring heart function. Uh, and so I had to research a bunch of different ways that we were currently looking at measuring heart function non-invasively and heart rate variability came up as one of those things. Now, my thesis in particular was looking at um, techniques during exercise and it didn't fit at the time. Um, and, but it, when I finished my degree, came back home to, to Vancouver, Canada, I started learning that a lot of sports performance people were measuring uh, uh, this. And I was wondering as, as to, to why that that was the case. Uh, as I started to dig into the research a little bit more, it was very much rooted into health more than performance. And so it got me curious to, to diving down the rabbit hole. And and um, then came the, the, the addition of osteopathy to my practice, which is I had limitations of how I was helping people. And then I went to osteopathy school um, to be able to kind of continue to grow my my tool set. And but I always kept heart rate variability uh, with my patients um, as a as a useful tool to to help kind of quantify. I like to say the unquantifiable um, uh, issues, the invisible illnesses like chronic pain, chronic fatigue, depression, anxiety, and HRV is a phenomenal tool for those individuals. So you use it more as a diagnostic tool, is that right? How how is it measured, and what would be a good uh, example of how things should be? And then what are you measuring against to see what's actually happening if it's not right? Well, that's a very layered question there. I'll uh, I'll try to be able to tackle those uh, uh, a little bit at a time. But just to kind of differentiate between heart rate and heart rate variability is that heart rate is you know sixty beats per minute and ninety beats per minute where heart rate variability looks at the frequency of which those, those beats occur. Um, meaning the fact that, uh, you know, me and a patient can have very similar resting heart rate, 60 beats per minute, where mine beats like a metronome, super consistent on the second, every second, where my patient has a nice varied, you know, speed up and slow down uh, heart rate. What research shows is that individual with greater variability of their race resting heart rate are in a healthier, happier, more well state so that's what we want to be able to achieve is, is that, um, how it's measured. It's multiple different ways. It used to be measured, um, you know, commercially, um, through heart rate strap paired with a mobile phone application. And so people would open their mobile app, take their heart rate, uh, uh during that time, either for a minute or five minutes. And, and then you would get your, your value from, from that. Um, the research, the way it was done is with ECGs, EKGs, 
Um, and it would be like during a, a resting state, 24 hours, very uh, clinical in that standpoint, uh, long duration uh, type of uh, measurements. And then now with the advances in wearable technology, um, you can now just get an accurate capture with a little ring on your finger or a wrist-based wearable device that used to be only accessible to clinical grade uh, medical devices. So that's that's phenomenal. And the last kind of part of the question is, is it's not necessarily diagnostic, but it's more to a point of providing some objectivity uh, for individuals that are suffering from conditions that don't necessarily have a lot of quantifiable metrics or people that do, but they just want more feedback as to, to is there changes they're doing with their medication or nutrition or whatever it may be. It gives it more immediate and continuous feedback on, are you making the right choices? Is it doing what it's supposed to be doing? And so um, what I've done over the last decade is, has been doing this in individuals, people that are high-performing athletes, uh, high-performing in, in, um, in uh, the financial world or the business world, uh, but also people that are suffering from you know, chronic diseases, uh, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, cancers, and people that are suffering from chronic illnesses like depression, anxiety, um, uh, chronic pain, chronic fatigue syndromes, those, those type of areas. And so I have a good kind of rough estimate based on the the history, the medical background, uh, age, demographics, kind of information of to where I would expect them to be. So you have a you know a high number in mind and a low number in mind. But I mean the ultimate goal is is typically when people are coming to see me, there's there's a problem of some sort that's disrupting their quality of life, disrupting their not only their physical health but their mental health as well, and. And they're always kind of in the lower end of the, the range when it comes to heart rate variability. So our goal is, is with the, the interventions that I could provide or my, my team could provide, we make sure that we're, we're improving this specific metric, which is a, a great um, tool for individuals that have a hard, hard time trying to find any type of number or objective measurement to determine if they're making progress with their condition or not. With the um, variability, so if it's better that you have a good variability, that means sometimes it's it's sort of resting a little bit slower and then it speeds up and then it goes back to resting state. So there's uh, it looks to me like a kind of a cycle. This, this is like something you could graph or see yeah, visually. So, so the measurement, it looks at, uh, so how you measure HRVs, you look at every millisecond that a heartbeat occurs and we find the most valuable way to measure it is at a resting state, not necessarily much, you know, during the day or during activity, but more of at a resting state. And that's why we, with these wearable technologies, you can get an absorbent amount of samples through the entire night to, to look at, you know, how your, your heart rate variability is doing. And so what it does, it looks at every millisecond in between every beat. And what we want to be able to see is that you want more variability from each beat, Right, so if you look at the the resting heart rate uh, of someone with high variability, it would look like it, it goes up and then it goes down, and it goes up and then it goes down, and it goes up and it goes down. It's kind of like this. And if you look at a an ECG, you'll see kind of like the the R waves at the peak of the QRS complex are more you know tightly together, but then be, they become farther apart, then become tightly together, then they become farther apart. What you don't want to see is that the time interval is identical. Uh, the milliseconds are identical. Is, That's is what that you because, don't want, which is very counterintuitive to what people think. Is that because the heart is then becoming overstressed because it's constantly having to ride a treadmill without any breaks in between? Yes. And so you're right on the right thinking track where I use this as a measurement of the overall physiological stress that our body is under. The more stress that we have, 
the the variability decreases and it's more sensitive to um you know kind of more minute changes in our behaviors and our lifestyles than heart rate is you won't have the same drastic changes so it's it's way more specific and sensitive more to subtle. little changes in in our stress management standpoint but uh, to give a little more sciency, uh, uh, what this measures is it measures the amount of vagal tone that innervates the heart, which is our braking system, our parasympathetic, our rest and digest system. So when we're in a healthy, happy state, we're relaxing, you know, when we're sleeping, all those areas, we're trying to be at a, at a really kind of calm state. Our parasympathetic nervous system is active, mainly controlled by what we call this, this vagus nerve that goes to a a large majority of our, of our organs. Um, and it also innervates the heart. And it's a way for us to non-invasively measure how much vagal tone we have. And so when vagal tone gets removed uh, and where it, the sympathetic nervous system becomes more active, the, the heart rate variability decreases. And so it's, it's a great proxy to understand our stress resilience overall. Uh, and the more you know scientific term that I say, it's our our, our ability to maintain homeostasis or a nice stable environment, the, the, the higher heart rate variability, the more stress that we can, we can actually accumulate. Well, that sounds like a really good diagnostic tool. I wish they would have had it when I had my heart arrhythmia issues back in 2007, 2008. And I had been under extreme stress and sometimes having to work around the clock to get to print on time. I used to be a magazine editor and I am that really wrecked my adrenals, but and I also developed Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, but I had severe heart arrhythmias. And all they did all the testing in the hospital and I went on the treadmill and you know the heart muscle was working fine. There were no blockages in the arteries. These are the crude sort of tests that they do. And I passed everything and the cardiologist said, Oh well, you you know you're all right. You'd be amazed how many people have this problem. Just go home and put up with it. And um, what it, what ha what was happening is that I had a twitch in the left ventricle of my heart muscle so that when the main atrium came down from with the pump, the left ventricle would have this twitch, which would interrupt the atrium. So I'd only get half pumps that was making me breathe shallow and get, get dizzy and all that kind of thing. And it turned out I was extremely low in magnesium because I had my other parts of my lifestyle were very good, but the stress had caused me to become very depleted in magnesium, which is the most important mineral for the heart muscle. And I learned subsequently the left ventricle of the heart has the most magnesium receptors of any muscle in the whole body. Oh, so wow. that's, I didn't that, know that. So, so over the years, I transitioned to a new business called Electromagnesium, which supplies transdermal magnesium because, as you mentioned, the vagus nerve connects the whole digestive system. So my digestion wasn't working well. I couldn't take or get any nutrients from the supplements. Um, I was, um, yeah, the whole, the heart rhythm, the digestive system, it was just constantly in stress. And without the magnesium, I couldn't get off that. Mentioning treadmill, though, when they put me through that test, I everything started to regulate when I was active. It's when my body was idling that it was that it was becoming irregular rhythm. And mm. I felt like you know when you have a car and it's not tuned and you're sitting at the traffic lights idling. And suddenly it go, it's it's an uneven rhythm and you think any minute it's going to stop. 
And that was the feeling I was getting. Any minute this is going to stop, I have to keep revving, 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 revving. Revving was the only way that I could feel, um, you know, getting back to some kind of even rhythm. And But as soon as I added the magnesium via skin, I was able to be become calmer and more rested and things got better and better over time. So that's very fascinating for me that now they have such um, more subtle diagnostic tools because if I had have let this go and not address the issue it would have developed into atrial fibrillations and and I could have had a heart attack even yeah no and and that's you bring up a really good point is that it makes it very difficult and this is where you said is, is HRV diagnostics not necessarily diagnostic because you know, the stress comes from many different reasons, right? It could yeah. be from low yeah. magnesium. It could be from, uh, you know, too much carbohydrate. It could be from lack of sleep. It come from, uh, you know, financial stress that we have. And and so it's not diagnostic. To, to The reason why I like it is it kind of gives a, a yellow flag of yeah. saying like, hey, th there's something that needs to be looked at a little bit deeper. And let's be able to put some stuff, all stuff on the, on the, on the tables to to where we address. And uh, you're, you're right on the money that, there's some tests that, you know, they kind of go down these rabbit holes, these silos and, and, uh, you know, go specifically to the heart and see, oh, there's nothing wrong with the heart, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's your, you know, where you should be. And so what I always suggest people do, uh, uh and obviously you, you found this out through this way as well is, you know, getting a, a good amount of, of blood work done to look at all the systems of the body to determine kind of where there's some abnormalities, uh, from, uh, from your, your physical being and how do we start to be able to address those from the most foundational level. Um, that's, I always begin with that side of things to say, Hey, are there any deficiencies that we can start to be able to, to supplement with, or be able to change, uh, your, your lifestyle and habits to be able to address those, those things. I always, one of the foundational things is when I do consultations around heart rate variability and slow and well, people want to know, well, how do I increase it? The first thing I go, what was the last time you had blood work done? That's to me, it tells yeah. a lot of stories. It's, it's really so hard that. You know, you could be under a lot of stress, but well, I mean, what if you have diabetes? What it's if you have a cancer tumor yeah. or something that's medically, you know, it needs to be addressed. Like I need to get rid of those big things first to see if there's mm -hmm. anything that's, that's missing in, in your body to kind of optimize. Let's start there and then start to build uh, on top of that. Yeah. It's all shows up in the blood, doesn't it? And it so we, does. we, the Chinese call it the chi energy. And so that's the Zeta potential or the the fluid fluidity of the blood so it, it it moves around the circulation actually in a spiral motion around the tubes and the um the blood cells rely on a negative charge to bounce off one another so they don't mm -hmm. stick together and then when they have a full surface area they can absorb more oxygen and nutrients from the blood plasma and then move around the body and access the tiny capillaries much better but when the blood starts to get thicker, the charge changes, the chi energy changes, and the cells become sticky um, and they attract one another. So that's that then makes it difficult for the heart to pump, um, mm -hmm. difficult to access the small, tiny capillaries that only take one blood cell at a time. Um, and so you get then peripheral issues to the extremities of the body not getting, you know, the nutrient from the blood supply so you would be seeing this i guess as an osteopath that affects um the, the bones it affects the ligaments or the muscles the tissue the tissue is not being supplied with the the resources that they need um, for um, efficacy 
And, and then you will get a calcification effect. And that's directly related to low magnesium. So magnesium helps us stay hydrated and flexible, which is very important for the muscles. But yeah. if you have low magnesium, you tend to accumulate too much calcium, which is the tightening mineral. It's also dehydrating. So yeah. then people get stuck and they, they get muscles like rocks. And then the blood supply can't access again those tissue cells. So um, it's very important to focus on the blood first. As you said, it's, it's extremely important. It's a window into what's happening into the body. If you know what you're looking for, I guess. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, that's the biggest thing is that you have to be the, you kind of know what you're, you're necessarily looking for um, in regards to that. And, and you know, you know, it, in the, in the right scenario at the right time, something like magnesium, especially if it's depleted, it's going to make a world of difference into what's going on. And you will see the repercussions of that through the measurement of heart rate variability. And that's what I want to be able to instill in people because sometimes it may not be as obvious when people are on a supplementation or they do an intervention, they may not get the immediate benefits and then they start to abandon the, the intervention or the therapy before it's had therapeutic effect, you know, you know, psychologically or, or the sensation of it, you know, really occurring. But if you can see that, and I find this a lot with, with people suffering from post-concussion syndrome, is that it's such a long process and it's very much an up and down kind of scenario. It's, it's kind of feels sometimes when they have a setback, they feel they're back to square one. And you can say all the right things and all that, but that's just your opinion versus theirs. But if you have some data to show, listen, we've been doing the right stuff. You're doing the right type of supplements. You're doing the right type of things. You were here when you started. You're now here where you're doing these measurements every single day. Feedback, yeah. All this feedback of saying you're not regressed. You've made so much progress. We just had a little bit of a, a of a you know a step back, but you've made ten steps forward up to this yeah. specific point. It's it's great confidence for them because it is like very similar to anyone in these these chronic illnesses and conditions that have these setbacks. The number one thought that goes to their head, they go, "I'm back to the beginning again. I'm back to where I was. All the work that I just did went down the drain." Yeah. That can and, happen. And showing I think... them through their data, it's like, no, no, no. You've done yeah. all the work. You've done the right stuff. Still, uh, it just, it's a small little setback. It can feel like um, two steps forward, but then one step back because sometimes and often actually people go through a Herxheimer effect. That's like a detoxing. So this, the body goes, oh, great. I've got this extra nutrition coming in and things are, and buttons are being pushed, you know, in the, in the, you know, on the acupuncture meridians and the electricity is flowing. I've got, I've got a power supply again. So the body starts to detox. And then mm -hmm. some of those waste products get dumped back into the blood circulation. There's the blood again. And, and it makes us feel heavy and yuck. Um, and so then that's when the brain starts to think, oh, well, I'm not going in the right direction. But it's good that you give them the feedback to give them encouragement. It's, I guess being like a coach for an athlete, yeah, yeah, you've got to, it's, the muscles have to burn and you've got to, you know, build Build, build, build. It's necessary to do that to, yeah. to move forward. Completely. And very similar to like what you're saying about sometimes it is that kind of like, you know, flushing out and waste system. It's kind of that reset. Your body's going through a change in homeostasis and our body doesn't necessarily like that acutely. It may over chronic time if we can, we can do it correctly. And then I sometimes I use the example of talking about, okay, so say you didn't know anything about exercise in regards to its benefits. It's the first time you're hearing about it. If someone says exercise is great for your health, they say all these things. Okay, great. You go exercise. So what happens? Your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up, you get tired, exhausted, you leave there, you, your legs are jiggling, you, you're super tired, you go, the next day you wake up, you're sore for days, and you're kind of like, well, I'm not going to do that again, <laughs> right? Like, really, if you didn't know, if you had it, no idea. It hurts. 
It hurts. It's not good. I'm not going to do that. It doesn't make any sense to do that. Why would I put myself through that again? But we know it's the accumulation and it's the adaptation that happens. And so we have this understanding about how, how exercise is beneficial. And then, you know, we know about these things and be able to overcome them and all that. But sometimes with certain interventions, people think they'll take something they immediately need to feel better or to the point they're immediately, they'll, they'll feel a change or, but sometimes it takes a little bit of time, it, you know, it has some indirect mechanisms and into that, but we have the under, underlying physiology of saying, listen, we're on the right track. Like, look what's happening. We're shifting things in the right direction. I think that also plays into the psychology of individuals like, oh, wow, I can actually create change into that. Cause I think when people fall into these illnesses and these sicknesses, you know, the, the, the agency or the autonomy of the, over their health is, is taken away from them. They feel trapped. Yeah. They feel Powerless. trapped. It's like, I have to go to these doctors, this, my, the health is out of my hands. Now I have no mm-hmm. control. It's going on with my own body that I'm, uh, I'm succumbed to, to, to these practitioners and these pills and, and whatever necessarily it may be. And to be able to instill to the point of like, Hey, if you do these things that are within your control, whether, you know, supplementation or di- di- dietary change or some meditation and breathing, and you start to see the repercussions, like, like, look what's happening to your numbers. And you can see this on a day-to-day basis of yeah. your sleep's getting better. Your respiration is going lower. Your heart rate variability is going up. And you see that on a continuous basis. It, it's actually very empowering and very encouraging for individuals that they have a lot of self-efficacy to improve their health outcomes. And so just as we know, when you, when you impact one area of our health and well-being, it's going to impact the others as well, right? If we exercise, it's going to impact our sleep, right? If we sleep better, yep. it's going to make us more energy and have more energy and be able to, to be in a Feed, positive feedback loop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, that's what it's all about to me is I want to be able to make sure that I'm as a clinician making the right decisions for my patients uh, with the right interventions at the right time. And I, I want that feedback rather than just me pushing something that yeah. research tells me that I should go there, but it's not perfect for everybody. It's not going to work for everybody. I want to know that I'm doing the right intervention, the right protocol for that individual at that right time. Yes. Uh, and we're all different. One t-shirt doesn't fit all. Exactly. But what, what I wanted to ask you in particular is as an osteopath, um, obviously massage is very important in the therapeutic um, arena because it helps to induce that relaxation effect yep. and as the muscles relax the blood supply accesses more tissue cells when the system is relaxed then you can adjust any imbalances in the spinal area or you know whatever needs to be done structurally is much easier when the muscles are relaxed right yeah absolutely yeah sometimes we call it uh the container and the contents of, of the individual uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's all plays into that. And, and again, with, with musculature, like you said, especially, you know, people that have pain for long periods of time that have, you know, a lot of muscle cramping or a lot of high tone and things like that. Obviously magnesium has been a, an absolute powerful, um, uh, tool for those individuals to help kind of be able to, to control that, to get better access to that. But, you know, when you can, when you kind of look, look at holistically, you know, I've had examples where, you know, high muscle tone have been as a result of past sexual trauma. Wow. I've had it to the point of being socially isolated due to COVID. Uh-huh. I've had it to a point where it's been, you know, some sort of mineral deficiency mm-hmm. to um, a personality trait that people are very rigid in their personality. So they all come from different ways uh, of addressing and, you know, we can find tools that can help and benefit, but what I really hope to instill in, into people and, and, and surround myself with individuals to try to get to, you know, what is the more the low hanging fruit for these individuals? What is the one thing of their 
their wheel of wellness uh, uh, that encompasses all areas of things that we can improve our health and well-being and which is the one that seems to me to be addressed the most. And I really want to get into the understanding of the true, the biological, psychological, and social health of that individual in, in which one of those areas is, is seems to be that, needing more investigation. Yeah, I, to use an analogy, uh, it seems to me like you're someone that unravels knots and the knots are there because of some kind of traumas to the body, to the psyche, Tra trauma and stress makes knots and yeah. you come in and work out where the knots are and how to unravel them. Yeah. It's, it's the, the way that I kind of describe it for individuals is sometimes when people have symptomology of, of, of different areas where it's pain here, fatigue, it's, it's like, you know, what we're trying to do is, is, you know, all these symptoms are the victims and I want to go after trying to find the criminal. Yep. What's the main thing? You can have these things, but what's the one thing that's kind of pulling all the strings in the back uh, that's really helped to be able to unravel this uh, uh, story to kind of understand of how all these things are are necessarily connected, getting to more of that root cause of things. Because again, you know, we, we can have, you know, say uh, IBS or, or ear bowel syndrome symptoms coming from purely from stress. It could be from your microbiome. It could be from mineral uh, or hydration problems. Or, you know, yeah. it can come from many of these different areas and, and they all could be present uh, from there, but which is the one that we feel is kind of giving way to all these other ones, which is the kind of the biggest piece of this pie that would have the greatest amount of impact. And, and so that's where, you know, we provide intervention. And to me, the feedback from wearable technology and heart rate variability gives me that understanding. I'm like, yeah, no, that's the right one. Or this is more of, you know, the, the layer that we didn't necessarily need to address right now. Yeah, that sounds um, really good. And I'm sure a lot of people will be really keen to find out um, more information about this arena, this area of research. And uh, if they want to connect with you or find out more, where, do, where should they go? Yeah, uh, I just launched a, a personal website. Uh, so it's gregelliot.ca. Uh, there I'm starting to... to put all my uh, podcasts and media uh, that's there. I'm also going to be starting releasing some uh, free eBooks for individuals to educate around heart rate variability and wearables and how to be able to, to utilize that for the health and well-being. So I could kind of continuously update uh, that there. So if you want to be able to, to go there and reach out to me that way, uh, that's probably the best way to, to do so. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much that I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, and I learned some really good things too because you know I could my mind was always going back to my personal experience so I'm sure people are sitting there listening thinking you know what I can relate to that yeah in, in the main message I'm trying to be able to instill in this is that people have a lot of power over their health and well-being they have a lot of control as to what their health is going to look like as they age and you know to determine you know what area needs to be I say this lots but it's like you know, we can all improve how we eat how much we exercise, yep. how much we sleep and our stress management and connecting with other people. We can and all improve in those areas. But avoiding the chemicals. <laughs> exactly. We can all improve in these things. But, you know, did, as you change one of these things, we can determine how much of an impact it actually has. You can actually quantify that with wearable technology and, and heart rate variability. It's, it's a great feedback tool to making sure that when you make an effort to change your health and well-being, that it's, it's well worth it. Yes. And the goal being to live well longer without yep. disease exactly on that note we'll finish up thank you so much Appreciate thank you very much this is this was fantastic i love your 
I love everything about the, what you're doing. And, and I know this is a lot of work on your end of things of doing this, but it's people like you that are really going to make the, the difference. So thank you very much for, for all your hard work. Oh, thank you too. It's all about education. I'm on a mission because I've, I've figured out how to solve my problem. And so my mission now is to pass that on, pass it forward, if you like, so that, um, you know, more people understand and future generations too, you know, we, we, we have to learn from our, from our mistakes, from our problems. That's how we get better over time. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. I hope you like this conversation and will share it with others. Hear more from Body Charge on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on blogs, podcasts, videos, and magnesium special offers at electromagnesium.com.au. Relax, recharge, and recover.